Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Hello and welcome back to the Beers and Ears podcast. My name is Casey. And my name is Matt. Welcome into today's episode, everybody. For today's episode, we actually have a returning guest. Uh, he was on several episodes back. I want to say this was back in September, maybe, where we were talking about the Cars franchise. Uh, you also hear his voice literally every episode. And that get, is my brother. What were you going to say, Matt? I, I guess, does that make him, he's been on more podcasts than anybody? Like, is, is this, how are we doing canon here in the Beers and Ears universe? That's a good point. We were going to try to call him a friend of the pod because technically this is his second episode being on. But you're right. Theoretically, he's been on every episode. So would that just make him a co-host? That would make me the pod father. <laughs> yes. I love it. Everyone, this is my brother, Ryan Woolley. Uh, he's back. Hey, Ryan, how's it going? Good, guys. Thank you for having me back. Excited to, excited to talk to you about today's topic. So I want to talk about that for a moment. So here's kind of where this topic came from. It kind of came out of the blue. In fact, I pitched it to Matt literally six hours ago. Uh, through text message. So uh, a few weeks back, uh, Ryan um, and I were talking and he's like, he was, he was asking me, or I think he was t- actually mentioned if I had seen, um, I think, I think he had sent me a picture of like Disney Monopoly or something, Disney villains Monopoly or something. Yes. And, and I said, Oh, that's really cool. And I, I had mentioned, Oh yeah, there's this other game that Matt's been trying to get me to play. And once COVID's over, we're going to play it, which is called Disney villainous where you actually get to be, one of the Disney villain characters, which, by the way, Matt, they just released another extension pack. I don't know if you saw. They um, did. All right, keep yes, talking. I'm going to. Yes, I think it's got Doctor Facilier in it now. Oh, I have that one. Okay, no, then there's another one. It, I, I swear, I just saw they released another extension pack. See if you can look it up while I'm talking. Um. Anyway, so he's like, so Ryan goes, you know, I wonder why you know they have all this Disney villain stuff, or you know, I wonder if it's meant to like help the kids not be so scared of the villains um you know like for when they go to disney world and then and then he's like you know that'd be a really fun topic uh, for your guys's podcast and and i kind of let it sit for a couple of weeks well then you sent me an article today uh i think about gaston yep and 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 i was like hey you know what we're gonna record tonight hey matt let's add a third episode on because we usually record two at a time and matt's like okay cool and i'm talking to my brother i'm like hey ride you want to be a guest on the podcast tonight and he's like sure why not so that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about just the Disney villains overall, why they're so popular, why Disney goes out of their way to make them their own thing, really. And then really, I want to kind of get Ryan into the mix here to talk about as kind of a Disney lay observer, somebody who's not as entrenched as Matt and I are in Disney um, nerdum, uh, you know, kind of your perspective on, on the Disney villains. So Matt, what'd you find out? Is there another extension pack? Uh, there's there's three. So the the original game gives you uh, six six villains. So that is Ursula, Maleficent, uh, Prince John, uh, uh, Queen of Hearts, Captain Hook. Uh, um, oh gosh, who's this? Jafar. Um, then there's an expansion that has Doctor Facilier, Evil Queen Hades. Another one that has Scar, Isma, uh, Radigan. And then the one that I don't have is Cruella Deville, uh, uh, Steamboat Pete, and. Um, uh, Mother Gothel. I haven't found That's one yet. That's the one I saw. That's the one I saw. I think it just came out, right? Yes, that one came out, and I just haven't. Um, I haven't. 
Okay. Um, I haven't gotten that one yet. I, I I, totally, I'm keeping like, an eye on my I local. I totally would play as Dr. Facilier or Jafar. Like, those would be my, like, main people to play as. Yeah, but, we're, we're going to have to play this game, and, and we're going to have to do an episode on this because it's a very fun while game. We're, while we're playing it, like, just have, like, like recording of us playing the game and then talk about it after. That'd be fun. So, all right. So let's get into the Disney villains, the Disney villain story. So, Matt, you and I, you know, working for the Disney store, working for the company, we understand that Disney villains is kind of its own, it's its own thing. It's kind of taken on a life of its own. It wasn't necessarily always like that, I don't think. I don't necessarily know if Disney has always pushed this villains franchise as hard as they have. So... I'm, I'm going to get your take first and I'm going to go to Ryan because I think he'll have a take where it's like more less of the Disney nerdum and more of like the general lay fan. But why do you think Disney in the last, let's call it 15 years, maybe even 20 years per se, why do you think they've really pushed hard to, to develop, develop the franchise as its own standalone entity? Well, I think that villains themselves have become better over the years yeah that really um i mean don't get me wrong like the old hag is really nice and lady tremaine is really nice and maleficent i guess has has become her own thing as well but really you know starting in my mind with uh, even i would say radigan in in 1986 but then really the heavy hitter was ursula in 1989 and yep. then, um, you know, you had Gaston and you had Scar and you had uh, Jafar and you had, um, you know, th- just this run of Hades in, in, in Hercules. You had this run of great Disney villains that honestly, in my mind, I don't know if I've ever said this theory on the pod. I'm pretty sure I have. But I, I really think that my theory of Disney villains is that in order for a Disney movie to be really, really great, like transcendent, they have to have a really compelling villain. Now, some of the more modern oh, ones, hold, hold like, on, hold on one second. You don't think you've said that on the pod before, man. I, I, we had a whole seat run of run there for a while where all you talked about was your Disney villains. Oh theory. man. Like I, every listener on the show knows about your Disney villains theory that a, a, a Disney movie is not good if it doesn't have a compelling Disney villain. You know, I, I thought you were I, being facetious for a second. No, I have two kids. I can't remember what I said on things <laughs> like, uh, you know, just stuff runs together. Okay, I can't so, remember who I said to what. So, right, but so I, I, yeah, continue your thought. Cause then I want to get Ryan in on this conversation. Cause yeah, he, cause, he came up with something today. Cause that theory still stands. And so what, um, and so I think Disney figured that out. And then what you have is a group of millennials that grew up on Disney that are now adults that are now looking for the adult twist on Disney. And I think villains are the adult twist that it's, it may, it, it, some people may feel weird dressing up as Ariel when they're 35 years old, but not dressing up like Ursula when they're 35 years old. Someone may be, someone may be really uh, like, Oh, I don't know if I want to dress up as Aladdin when I'm 35. I don't need to go with the shirtless vest. You know, I I, I'm definitely looking at my pandemic weight going, Hmm, maybe I don't want to wear what Aladdin's wearing. I'm not as ripped as he is, but gosh, I would wear what Jafar is wearing and have that like, and so I, I think that's, that's kind of why I think in the past, 
five or six years, they've really ramped that up as millennials are starting to go, all right, you know, I still want to dress up as a character. And you know what? I'm looking for that adult twist and it's a villain. So I, I want to get Ryan on this because so we were talking about this a little bit before earlier today. He's like he Googled top 25 Disney villains because he was curious, you know, what what people think the villains are. I said, well, you know, we've done a show on that. Right. We, we did a whole top 10 Disney villains and, I, and he had not listened to that particular show. But Ryan, I, I, I want to get Matt to take a guess here. Matt, what do you think the number one villain was on Ryan's list? Um, I'm going to say Maleficent. Ryan, where was Maleficent on your list? Uh, she, if I can get my computer to work here. The minute you say that, it started to freeze. Okay, here we go. Maleficent was... Live radio here, folks. <laughs> we can edit it out. No big deal. Also, it wouldn't be the first time that we've hemmed and hawed and... <laughs> looked up, so. uh, Maleficent comes in at number 12. Oh, okay. Number 12. Is that crazy? Now, now again, this What's is not number one on the list. This this is the list that I found. This is actually according to the Huffington Post. Oh, interesting. Uh, okay. And if you just want a little blurb about it, Maleficent has a seemingly unlimited arsenal of powers and has really only curses Princess Aurora because she's not invited to the christening. Um, being excluded is a major imp- uh, issue for Maleficent's evil when you are marginalized for having great cheekbones, being green, and only makes sense to lash out as an overprivileged infant. <laughs> I think, Matt, when we did our list, because we put her on our list too, but I think she was further up. But one of the things that we talked about with Maleficent was she actually is kind of boring in Sleeping Beauty, but it's all the extracurricular stuff that has come afterwards that has made her a compelling villain. Well, and can, let me let me speak on that really quick, because I have a soon-to-be nine-year-old next week and a, and a six-year-old son and, of course, now a baby, but um, I had never seen a lot of these Disney movies, Sleeping Beauty being one of them, uh, the cartoon version. Uh-huh. And I remember going to the theater and seeing advertisements for Maleficent and seeing the name. And I'm like, how do you even say that? Like, I had never heard of her. <laughs> and I'm like, Maleficent? And then, like, then I heard like somebody say it. And I'm like, that's that's really what her name is? And then like, who is she? And then somebody told me, of course, the, the backstory. And then I saw the first movie with Angelina Jolie. And I'm like, Wow, she's actually kind of cool. Um, now, have you watched the cartoon yet? No. Okay, so when you go back and watch the cartoon, and I apologize to any Disney originalist out there, you will fall asleep. It, it, it It's a beautifully created movie. I mean, it's artistically stunning, given that it was made in, what, the 60s, Matt, I want to say? Uh, 59, but, if I'm not mistaken. 59. But... Or maybe six nine, uh, whatever. One I think of those it was years. like early sixties. So I think you're pretty close. But for her, fifty nine. I was right. Okay, what's fifty nine? Her character, um, is nothing like you see in the live action movies, either the first one or the second one. Or again, Ryan, when we went to the parks two years ago and we sat down for Fantasmic, she's the one who turns into the dragon at Fantasmic. That's her. So oh, okay. Now you can kind of start to kind of so in in Fantasmic she's absolutely astounding in all these extracurricular things she plays I mean she's supposed to be the mistress of evil that's kind of like her thing like she's the biggest baddie of them all but in that original Sleeping Beauty it's like yawn <laughs> like Disney, Disney's definitely amped her up well and that that makes absolutely. sense now that you say that about the dragon because uh, my kids have discovered Descendants and of course obviously after they were already the yep. series was popular but. 
you know, I've seen them all. And at first when my daughter put them on, I'm like, oh, I don't really want to watch this, but I kind of got sucked into them where they're actually pretty good. And like, they are really, I binge watched all three of them one Saturday, like, like the first month of the pandemic, I had not seen them. I had, I'd heard the music at the store. I knew the storylines and I was like, darn it. I'm going to watch these movies. And I did. I binge watched all three and I didn't have the excuse of having kids in the house. So well, but feel really when, we were in Chicago, but when we were in Chicago last February for my wife's uh, our nurse graduation, we were at your house and you had turned on Disney plus and, and one, one of the movies was on, I don't know which one, but you told me yeah. that that was the beast um, or, from Beauty and the Beast. And I'm like, what? And it was the king. <laughs> of course, he was in his, his normal attire. So that it, it piqued my interest. And then when you were just talking about the dragon, it now makes sense that Mal turns into that dragon. I think it's in the third one. Um, yeah, you know, as she's trying to fight off whoever it was. But well, and if you're if you're a fan of those, so more adult oriented, there's actually a series that ABC produced several years back called once upon a time yes and it's i don't know if you've watched it or not but nate and i are going back through and watching it now uh we've already we watched we kind of got lost after about season four it got a little little wonky but we're going back and we're going to kind of truck our way through it but it is it's basically what if all these characters including the villains who are fictional were real and the evil queen casts a curse and makes them live in our world but they don't realize that they're these characters and again, this is another thing that I think Disney has done really well is that they've capitalized on using the villains even in this other universe um, to their advantage because y- you start to see that they're not just these two-dimensional beings. They're, they're three-dimensional and you start to see their backstories and understand. And they put different twists on things too, like ones that were villains before become heroes or anti-heroes in the series. So I think it's just this continued, Matt, I think you said it, which is, they're being really smart because I think adults, you're right. Adults are able to really, in some ways resonate with some of the villains sometimes, I guess. Well, and even they're doing a whole bunch of um, books out there. Like it's called a twisted tales, if I'm not mistaken, Mm -hmm. that, um, that like, it's kind of like, you know, Marvel, what if is happening? Whereas, um, you know, uh, this is, um, you know, this is an alternate universe. So for example, I, I've, I've clicked on one of these. So it's, it's called as old as time, a twisted tale. And the, it is, what if Belle's mother cursed the beast? And so if, what if Belle's mother cursed the beast as old as time in the third book, da, 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 da. And so it, it, it's, it's kind of these, what if, you know, what if Ariel had never defeated Ursula? What if, um, Mulan had to travel to the underworld. What if Sleeping Beauty never woke up? Like, and and so they're even in the young adult novels, they're very much like doing this very like cool. Let's amp up the and put more focus on the villains. Hmm. Hmm. So Ryan, you so talk to us a little bit about this theory that you have that one of the reasons why you think maybe they're doing this with the villains whether it's through descendants once upon a time these twisted tales or just generally speaking with the villains you kind of toss this theory out there that you think maybe it's a way to make them less scary so when the kids come to the park they're able to talk a little bit about that yeah well i think it's a combination of things i think matt hit uh, part of my my theory where as an adult yeah you you may not gravitate towards like he said aladdin or ariel or you know peter pan 
um, maybe as you were when you were a kid. But as you get older, you you tend to realize, you know what, Captain Hook, for as goofy and mean as he is, he's kind of fun to be a fan of. Or, um, you know what, Ursula, for as bad as of a sea witch as she is, you got to respect all the souls she's taken and the, the <laughs> persistence of which she's done so. And my thought process was, again, with my, my daughter and son, we went to Disney with you. Um, we stayed at the Art of Animation Resort, and we stayed in the Lightning McQueen room, but you had access to all the other pools. And one of the things that really sticks out to me was like this, how many stories would you say? 15-story Ursula that they built at the pool? I a mean, very uh, big Ursula. No, she wasn't 15, she wasn't 15 stories. I think maybe four or five stories. I mean, she was definitely up there because she was taller than the building. Yeah, I mean, she was just gigantic. Yeah, because you got Simba, you got you got her. But yeah, she's, but she's over there by that little mermaid pool. It was awe-inspiring when you walked in and you saw this gigantic Ursula. I remember my son going, like, kind of freaking out for a second, like, oh, you know, it's Ursula. And then, like, he was fine with it afterwards, realizing it's not really her. But I think Disney has done a great job of marketing the villains in a way that, yeah, they're bad guys and they're and they're, they're bad girls, but they have a soft side as well, and it's okay to be around them. Because when you're walking through a theme park and you see Jafar, you don't want your kid cowering behind you after what he did to Aladdin or Princess mm-hmm. Jasmine. You you want your kid to go up and get, and get a photo or an autograph. Um, yeah, it's kind of like the, the Kylo Ren experience. So Kylo Ren's one of the, the villains of the Star Wars universe, Ryan, and at Disney's Hollywood Studios, you can do a meet and greet with him. But the way that experience goes is that you got to be prepared because he's going to insult you. And he's he's very intimidating when you get this picture with him. Oh, but it's the same idea. It's, you know, they 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 want to they want to go right up to the edge without going over the edge because you like you like you said, some people, some kids, some teenagers, they aspire and they, they relate to the villain. You know, Matt, I, I've told you before, you know, back when we did the um, the Infinity Saga series with Endgame and with Infinity War, you know, you can kind of relate to Thanos's desire of why he was doing what he was doing. You get you don't want to say I support what he did. I mean, my God, he killed half of the world, half of the universe. But his his mindset of I'm doing this because there's only so many resources in, in the in the universe and if we were to eliminate half the people then everyone would be able to thrive you kind of can see his rationale why that happened and i think that's kind of what ryan's touching on which is you can you can look at any one of these villains and see what brought them to the level of where they were at and be able to relate to that yeah i would agree with that um now here's my question outside of gaston are there any like normal, I mean, obviously I know Halloween and when you do like, you know, go to a Disney villains party, there, there's more of them out there, but outside of Gaston, are there any other villains that you can just like meet on a quote unquote normal basis? At I couldn't world? think of any. Yeah. At, at world or land. I, I mean, land, I know um, does a little, does a little la- more like walk Lady, around Lady Trumaine and the stepsisters will meet You're right. around Cinderella castle. So I know they're there. Um, who goodness gracious. Um, you won't be able to meet the evil queen, but I think she shows up or she used to show up and so did Maleficent at the Disney castle stage show. Um, is Jafar not like, I thought I saw photos of Jafar. Um, it might've been at world, but well, he does, he does. So the villains will oftentimes do like, you'll get a lot of villain meet and greets 
at the Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party. So it's a special ticketed event that you got to pay for, and then like they're all scattered around the world, uh, around Magic Kingdom. So like you can get you can get Jafar, you can get um, the Evil Queen, you can get Maleficent. Um, Oh, that's one technically there, Matt. Maleficent's dragon in the parade, I guess, theoretically. Yeah. No, and um, and, and and I and I wonder if again you're gonna start to see more villains come in on a more normal basis. If the popularity of them is so high, now I, I understand there's also the model of okay, well, if we keep them exclusive to Halloween, that drives people to our Halloween party. But I'm sorry. I don't think you need the drive of I can meet villains for people to go to Mickey's not so scary. Like, like people are going to go to Mickey's not well, so scary. You, you, know, you have that. They had for a while there and they, 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 they at Hollywood studios about five years ago, they had that Disney villains DJ thing that they did where they think they built lightning McQueen's racing Academy at now. That's right. Over, they had that. It was like a, they had a party Ryan where it was like a special ticketed party. You could get into that lasted from like, like I want to say like six to midnight or something uh, on select nights at Hollywood studios. And they had all the villains in one place. It was like a special villains mixer Ooh. and you had cupcakes and cookies and punch. And uh, it, it was like $120 to get in per person, but on, on top of your theme park admission, I might add. So $120 on top of the hundred dollars you're paying to get into the park, but it's sold out every night it was the most popular add-on they had and then they took it away i think to build the lightning mcqueen racing account but see and right there i think you're touching on it because and this is kind of what sparked my interest uh my kids found disney's house of villains on i don't know if it was oh, i love that i love that show so much on, well, the just house of Mouse, or house Netflix or whatever yeah. disney plus now but the they they gravitated towards it and it wasn't even around halloween time and i'm like you know why, what are you guys watching and of course there's a lot of halloween stuff into that but we ended up buying it because they loved it so much. And it just got me thinking because, I mean, that was an old school. I don't know when that one came out, but I'm, it was a cartoony version. I'm thinking, why haven't they remade that with today's villains and turned it either into a movie or, you know, a network um, you know, spectacular? Yeah, because they had, they had House of Mouse and then the House of Villains, I think, was the Halloween special. And it was And it's great. And, and I remember yeah. as a kid, I mean, you and I, of course, grew up together. Matt, I'm sure you watched Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or Power Rangers when you were a kid. But I distinctly <laughs> remember when I was a kid, I don't remember what age, it was probably around the age my daughter is now, though. Um, they would always have the cliffhanger before the commercial and then you'd go to go to break and it looks like the turtles are going to lose to shredder. And then they come back from commercial and they replay like the last 10 seconds before they went to commercial. And then you see, you know, the turtles uh-huh. pull out the victory in the end. And I remember saying to myself at that time, why do they always win? Like why, why can't shredder or Krang actually win this? And then it, uh-huh. it clicked in me like, wow, I just wanted the bad guy to win for a change. And like, and it just, <laughs> I don't know if it was the wrestling side of me because, you know, when you watch WWF, <laughs> where it's like sometimes the bad guys win and then eventually the good guy goes over in the end, you know, whether it be a couple months down the road. But it was like that started getting my gears flowing. And even with this topic, like sometimes it's cool to be bad. Uh, yeah, I mean, actually, it, that's actually a Descendants song. It's good to be bad. It's oh, good. yeah. This, this no, is no, a actually, pro. That's, dis- that's, not, that's not Descendants. That's uh, that's actually from Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party. There's actually a song that goes, it's good to be bad. It's good to be bad. And then. Hey, Casey, who sings that? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up, Ryan. Keep it Shut up. <laughs> I don't know who sings it, but I guess I should let them do it, right? Yes. 
but yeah, there, there is a Descendants song though too. It's good to be bad. Which Ryan, it's good that. to be bad, and then there's bad. like a bunch of funky stuff, right? Yep. But but and even further, my point though with the marketing now, the villains like, and I couldn't think of it until I just googled it. But if you go to uh, Google and type in like Target Disney Princess Comic Royal Rivals Set, again that's Disney Princess Comic Royals Rivals Set, and I remember walking through the store and seeing this, and I got excited. And I pointed it out to my daughter, and, and she wasn't as excited as I was for some reason. But it comes with the Evil Queen and Snow White. Um, it comes with uh, Maleficent and Aurora. Oh, and then, what are cool. these delightful this things? Is fun, Ariel. <laughs> I thought it was cool okay. Hold on, we got three thirty-something-year-old guys <laughs> geeking out over a princess. I've got I've cool. got daughters. I, I'm all good. It, it was it was the but it was the the bad guys or the bad girls, if if you will, and Ursula Maleficent and Evil Queen that got me most excited because you always see the princesses. But I'm like, yeah, wow, you can play with Ursula. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very oh oh, Maleficent's got a sassy well, look on her face. I remember Ryan when I was a kid. I don't know if you remember this, but we had or I had this was back when Aladdin came out. We had a bunch of Aladdin yeah. action figures and. I I had the genie um, in his parade outfit, but I also had Jafar, and I loved Jafar. Jafar with his staff, and and I I was obsessed. Jafar was my one of my was up until, um, well I don't even say up until Jafar and Scar continued to be my two favorite villains, but Jafar was always one of my favorites, and and you know. It, I know you'll remember when I we were kids, Ryan. I used to carry that darn stick around with us and <laughs> pretend it was a scepter and chase yep. everybody with it. We we used to do uh, I don't know, kick the can, but I would have the stick and I pretended it had magic powers, Matt. And part of that was because I wanted <laughs> it to be like a scepter, like Jafar. And and I think I think every little kid at some point does go through a phase where they like the baddie. I mean, I know right now your, your son, Ryan, uh, my nephew, he loves Bowser and yes, totally into the baddies of Nintendo right now. You yep. know, like I, I'm a Donkey Kong fan. And of course I didn't push anything on, on either one of them. And he instantly gravitated towards Bowser. He also likes dry bones and dry Bowser. It was just yeah. something that he likes, but that uh, parade genie and Jafar you're talking about. I still have them by the way. And Blake plays with them to this day. Do you really? Oh my God. Go. I would, love to see those again yeah that parade genie we had a whole aladdin set i had yep. that um again the jafar Abu, uh, Abu, yeah there was a whole there was a whole set i mean i'm looking at my disney collection now and i i've got i think of all the non mickey stuff aladdin's probably the one that i have the most of because i have such fond memories of of playing with that stuff over grandma burleson's of all places mm-hmm. right um, at, at her kitchen table, I just remember that. But I think I think you, you're hitting on it. I think this is exactly what we're trying to say: is that I think every child at some point has that realization of why do the good guys always win? And some accept it; others look at it and say, "Hey, this isn't really really reality." Sometimes bad does win. Sometimes you know bad triumphs over good, and and sometimes it's you said it's good to be bad sometimes, you know? Well, and I think that Descendants is even further driving home this point that they're making the Disney villains a little bit more relatable and even in some cases, like, kind of redeeming them. And I'm curious on whether the reason is, hey, they're really hoping to make, you know, Disney villains less scary. So, you know, when kids come to the park, they can build more of the giant structures of villains or have more villain meet and greets or 
um, or villainous type things. I mean, there's been rumors uh, of, of fans wanting a whole villains park for years. Yeah. And awesome. And, and, and that would be, I mean, it's one of those that that would be awesome. And, but I, I think one of maybe the reasons that Disney has been apprehensive about it is that what would that park be like for younger children? Well, if you train younger children in the way of, you know, villains, yes, are scary and nefarious, but ultimately are, you know, are more complex than that, then maybe that park becomes more doable. I, I'm, I'm not saying that I think Disney is actively moving towards that. Um, Ryan, but, I don't know if you know this, but I can't remember which park it is. I think it's Disneyland Paris. Matt, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong. It's either Paris or Shanghai, but I think it's Paris. Underneath the castle, there's a you can actually walk under the castle and there's an animatronic dragon underneath the castle. Really? That's Paris. Yeah. It's, Paris, it's Sleeping so, Beauty's yeah. castle in Paris. Yeah. Underneath it is you got Maleficent down there as a as a dragon. That's cool. And that Yeah, and it's a walkthrough attraction. And Matt saying the whole idea about having a, a, a park dedicated to just, you know, villains, you know, I, I don't know if it would ever, I don't know if it would ever work enough financially, but my God, they could do, they could definitely do some kind of wing of a park and make it a, a villains area with a couple of villains attractions. And I think it would, it would draw so much traffic. I, I well, really and I, I know how much you guys like lists. So I, I tried to come prepared with another one for you. And this was right. uh, from MTV of all places, MTV.com. It was posted on March 26th of 15 by Kat Rosenfield. So I want to make sure I gave the proper credit. But it was nine Disney villains who were way better than the good guys. I thought right. it was interesting. So um, I can just rattle through these if you want. Uh, sure. And I'll go nine to one. So the ninth, uh, which was better than the actual, was the big devil dude from Fantasia. And, <laughs> yeah, yep. that's uh, Chernabog. Chernabog, yep. So there was no hero for him to face off against. Our horn friend here might not be technically considered a villain, but he's clearly a bad boy in the Disney universe. Yep. Uh, number eight was Gaston. Um, number seven. Um, hold on. So what do, you, what do you think about that one, Matt? You think that's a good pick? I, I think that's maybe a little bit of a stretch, but not, but yeah. not like a, I, I would not come out and downright say, no, that's wrong. Like, I, I think it's a stretch, I but, think, but I don't know. Here's why I think you're right on that. I think that movie, Gaston and Beast share the villainy a little bit together during the movie. And then Beast kind of becomes the hero at the end. So I don't, I don't think Gaston gets his full villainy in that, which I think is why I think that's a little off base. Well, and this is what the article said. Gaston, better than the beastly, charming prince in disguise? Yes, we said it. The villain of Beauty and the Beast might have been self-absorbed and sexist, but at least he was real about it. Whereas you just know that if Belle hadn't come back to the castle in time to break the Beast's spell, the guy would have spent the rest of his days hunched over in a computer west wing of the castle, writing angry posts on Reddit about how nice guys finish last. <laughs> all right, fair enough. Um, all right. All right. Number seven was the evil queen from Snow White. Um. Yeah, she's iconic. I mean, I yeah, yeah, I would that. agree with that. Uh, number six, the Siamese twins from Lady and the Tramp. Yeah, they've they've gotten some some flack lately. I mean, uh, the, I, Matt, did you see the story on that about that they're putting the they're they're not in the kids version of Disney Plus. They're pulling that away completely, and then they're putting a um uh uh kind of a warning up front about you know cultural stereotypes and stuff. 
Yeah, I, I did see that. I, it's that's an age old argument of what do you do with stuff like that? Like, yeah, what Disney, what do you do with Disney not just Disney movies, but any movie? Disney still plays it in the store, which is what cracks me up. They played that they played that song in the Disney store still, like free. <laughs> it just cracks me up. Yeah, so right, I don't know if you've seen the movie or not, but it's basically the Siamese twins that the, the, they're, they're they're Siamese cats. They're made to look very much like stereotypically race, racist Chinese. Hmm. Okay. And it's kind of it's a product of its time, but all right. Well, whatever, well. Uh, can I follow up with that on on Gaston then? Uh, before sure. before I finish this list, because if they're going to do that, then then why wouldn't they really pull Beauty and the Beast and Gaston? Because that article I sent you today, and, and Matt, maybe Casey can send it to you, but it, it basically was stating that Gaston's the most terrifying Disney villain because he could be anyone in the world. Um, hmm. who convinces the whole town to set up his wedding with the knowledge that the would-be bride would be thrown into it and everyone finds his creepy tactics as cute and boys will be boys-esque so he's extremely terrifying and then it went on to say um, most of us will not experience a Cinderella-style abusive upbringing will not be a pawn for scheming like Jafar, Ursula, or Scar but we will all meet a Gaston Every one of us will at some point meet a person whose nasty bullying behavior is excused by the people around him because they're rich or handsome or good at sports or their parents are important. And that's why Gaston is terrifying because there's at least one version of him in everyone's life. I mean, he is a more, yeah, he is, he is definitely a more like, I mean, obviously we're not going to meet a octopus sea witch but you could absolutely <laughs> meet <laughs> sorry spoil my dreams man but you could absolutely you're you're right you could absolutely meet someone who is like this i think that's what also makes um judge claude frollo a very terrifying villain yeah, yeah. is and and he's just downright like he he's with with most villains you can be like oh i love to hate this villain I don't love to hate that villain. I, I just, I just hate that villain. I, I don't like that guy. I'm, I was I like, I'm happy when he falls to his death. Yeah. All right. What else you got on the list, right? All right. So, uh, one of my favorite villains, Hades at number five, uh, very, very funny throughout the entire movie. Um, number four was Maleficent. We already kind of touched on her. Jafar was number three. And again, this list is villains who were way better than the good guys. Um, number two. Yeah, I, well, I guess. Yeah, all right. Yeah. No, I, I guess. Yeah. Jafar. I mean, I don't know. Genie's the only one that I could say Genie would give him a run for his money. I agree. And the article says, although he was ultimately too power hungry for his own good, Jafar was still an impressive sorcerer, a gifted parrot wrangler, and a crafty politician in comparison to Aladdin who couldn't even steal a piece of bread without breaking into a song about it. (laughs) Well, and and I think that Disney recognizes that he is terrifying because I think the reason he's less terrifying is because of Iago. I could see that. I agree. And honestly, I think that's one of the reasons why I think Iago both serves as the comic relief in that movie, but also makes him less terrifying. I think it's also one of the reasons why the live action Jafar falls so flat uh, because there is no Iago. So I would agree with that. Um, number two was Cruella DeVille. And I thought this was a great point on her. If you can get past the whole turning puppies into coats thing, You've got to admit that Cruella was one inspired fashionista with her slinky gowns and schizophrenic hairstyle. Also, she did have a point. Anita and Roger might have meant well, but they were basically dog hoarders. That's fair. That's fair. We have a... We we had a rule when we did our Disney Villains countdown 
um, or I had a rule when we did our our Disney 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 villains countdown way back when, where I refused to put Cruella de Vil on the list because I basically said I think we can all agree that somebody who wants to kill dogs, we can all agree is just the worst person in the world or, or something like that. And like we don't even need to put them on the list. But I, I guess I could see that point though. Like you're right, they are basically hoarding 101 dogs. Yep. So I can totally. All right, fair enough. And then topping the list was someone we already talked about, um, Ursula. So basically, okay. she was way better than Ariel. I'm shocked Scar's not on that list. No, he's not. I think, I think there's so many other good characters in Lion King that Scar yeah, doesn't... Scar does a good job at, at fitting in, but he doesn't, like, stand out. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I, I think that's what, what gets me about that list is that that all those villains very much stand out. I, I mean, again, maybe outside of a couple, but... Um, you know, there's. I, I think that's what also makes Scar such a great villain is that he fits into that movie so well and doesn't necessarily overshadow, but enhances everything around him. And he well, topped the Huffington Post list of yep. the, the best villain. I was going to say, so he tops our list. His uh, song yeah. topped our top ten Disney villain songs, and he topped the Huff Post list. So I mean. I think universally, it's it's pretty clear that Scar. I think he was even in the poll we did, Matt. I think he came out on. But if his song tops your list and most everybody else's list, why wasn't in the live action movie? Well, um, it, it actually okay. The song itself wasn't, but you can actually hear remnants of it in the soundtrack. You can actually hear it in like the background music. Um, I don't know. I don't know why. Why the, I, I, there was a decision they made not to put it in there, and I know it received tons of flack. I mean, that's so like I, that's I like in Aladdin. If they said, you know, we're not going to put in friend like me. I mean, like I remember you came over because we went and saw Aladdin together, uh, the live action one. Of course, we saw the cartoon one together. I think that was my first movie theater experience. But nonetheless, you wanted to play the soundtrack for me. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I want to be surprised when I see the movie because I wanted to hear it and see it you know, first time, you know, on the big screen and yeah. it did not disappoint. No, but you know, not having scar song in the live action Lion King, even my wife, she's like, that was really disappointing. It wasn't in there. Well, yeah, and I like, could see if I could see if you said, we're not doing any songs and that's just like Mulan was that way. They were just like, you know what? We're not doing any songs. And so that's fine. That's the decision they made. But when they choose to do some of the songs and then not do that one, it's like, wait, wh- why? <laughs> Yeah, the most iconic, again, the most iconic Disney villain song out there next to probably Ursula's, it, it, it did not make, I mean, it was like, why did you not do that? And I don't know if it had to do with the, I mean, the imagery of the cartoon is scary. I mean, watching those hyenas walk like Nazi sh- soldiers is, it's creepy. I mean, it's especially living in the world that we've been living in the last couple of years, you know, it just, it's, it's, it's scary, you know? Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, that, that was, I know it was judged. Uh, very harshly among Disney fans and critics alike that it was not put in there. Um, you know, live action Lion King was in my book, it was okay. It was just basically a computer generated version of the animated movie without that song. in it is, it was almost shot for shot or remake. And unlike Aladdin, which kind of took some new, new, um, new chances and Matt, I remember when it first came out, Aladdin, you and I were really concerned that it was going to flop, but it ended up being really well done. Surprisingly, um, like yeah. really surprised that that Aladdin is pretty well accepted, um, yeah. that a lot of people are are were into it. So, Ryan, any final thoughts before we wrap the show up? 
Uh, really just uh, the biggest thing that I just kind of want to hammer home was, you know, again, I, it's, it's good to be bad because, you know, when, as you get older, you tend to gravitate towards certain things. And, you know, again, if, if you were a fan of Peter Pan as a kid, but then you kind of realize, you know what, I'm more like Captain Hook, the older I get, or, you know, whether I always liked Captain Hook, he was always one of my favorites. Well, that's like even, even the movie Hook, like you were a huge fan of Hook when we were kids and still am. I just yeah, watched like, it three nights. Great ago. movie. It, it, it's yep. a great movie. And, and there's parts of the movie that are freaky, right? Um, as a kid and not so much as an adult, but like, you know, when you start to see certain, certain things, you're like, wow, I, I can't believe, you know, I watched that as a child, but. I think if, if Disney continues to do what they're doing, I think eventually we will have, like you said, either a wing at the park. I, I could never envision a separate park, but I think of like um, Cedar Point's Hollow Weekends. You know, you have yep. your normal park, but then at, at, at dark or dusk, they go to Hollow Weekends. And, and you, me, and, and our mom went one year with, with my wife. And the first time we ever experienced it, and I'd love to go back. I think if they could do that, you know, in October of every year at Disney World, at, at you know, well, they do that. That is that is what is Mickey's not so scary Halloween parties. Oh, so, maybe not just October. Like they they need to do they it. Do it, yeah. They do it like from right now. They do it from like mid August through like the first week of November. It runs like that whole fall, and they do like three nights a week. But you got it's a separate ticket. You get in after six o'clock. That's like at four o'clock to midnight. Mom and I went to it um, a few years back. We we did it. But it is. It's basically what you just described. It's also trick-or-treating. There's a parade. There's a castle show. There's a meeting. But I think that there's a way that they could also do it. I think, Matt, they could do, like, the Mickey's Not So Scary at Magic Kingdom and maybe take, like, Hollywood Studios and make it more of the villains after dark. That's what I'm That's what I'm saying is I would like yeah. to see where you could show up and you could see the Evil Queen and Ursula and the Captain Hook and everybody together. Um, and then and same with, again, remaking Disney's House of Villains for today's audience with, you know, bring in Angelina Jolie as Maleficent and bring in, you know, wh- whoever the, the big time actors are in the live action movies that could be the villains. Mm, interesting. I like that. I'm idea. in. I'm in for it, too. Well, it is closing time. I want to say thank you to my brother and our announcer and, and friend of the pod officially or, or what uh, do we call uh, it? The, uh, the, the pod father, the pod father, uh, my brother, <laughs> Ryan. So wait, Ryan, you're my father and my brother. Uh, uh, maybe weird. just in the digital world. <laughs> well, and, and, and Podfather is different, similar to how, like, the Godfather is not everyone's Godfather. It is Fair more enough. of a metaphorical thing. Yeah. Fair enough. So it is closing time. Uh, if you'd like to get a hold of us, everybody, you can find us on Facebook at the Beers and Ears podcast. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Beers Ears 1928 or email us at Beers and Ears 1928 at Please, if you get a chance to rate and review us, please do so on your favorite podcasting app. It helps get the word out about our show. We are closely approaching that 500 mark in terms of uh, fans on Facebook. We've got close to 100 downloads a day happening now from all across the world, which is just making us happy. We want to say thank you to all of our listeners. Uh, With that said, Matt, why don't we raise our glasses? Yes, this episode has been on us, and we will see you next time. All right, everybody, have a wonderful rest of your night. See you again soon.